again if I don't. Resurrection, humility, and the kingdom of God. I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The words will be on the board here, be on the screen here behind me. But I want you to listen to this word. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, said, The message we preach is Christ, who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you, now he's writing to the church, so how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection from the dead? For if there's no such thing as resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing, and our faith is useless. Moreover, if the dead are not raised, that would mean that we are false witnesses who are misrepresenting God. And that would mean that we have preached a lie, stating that God raised him from the dead, if in reality he didn't. Listen, Corinth. <laughs> Listen, believers. If the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, then you are still lost in your sins and your faith is but a fantasy. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, then we deserve to be pitied more than others. If he is not alive, guys, then we are dumber than a bag of rocks being here. If Jesus is not alive, why are we, this ought to be a bowling alley or something, a gym, anything but this. If he's not, that's what he said. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied. But, ha, doesn't end there. Verse 20, but, I love the buts in God's word. Something's getting ready to change. When you read along, you need to thank God for every but in your life. And that's those sentences that come along and giving you one story. And then you get this wow word that says, but, something getting switching. Something is switching. But the truth is, Paul said, Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. The truth, Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. Guys, listen. There is no kingdom if the king is dead. There is no kingdom. And if the only thing we have hope for in this life is what we're at right now, if he is not alive, then we ought to be pitied. But in fact, Paul said, Christ has been raised from the dead. And I listened to that couple's testimony last night, and I thought, yeah, there's the resurrected Jesus going in and rescuing two lives. Two lives that the, that the world would just put as, you know, all their background. Let's just lay them aside. No, not the king. Not Jesus. He died for them. 
Christ Jesus, the word says, Paul said he's the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. <clears throat> the first part of a harvest, listen, the first part of a harvest is the first fruit. <clears throat> Jesus' resurrection is the first fruit of those who will be raised in resurrection power, never to die again. The first part of a har the first part of a harvest is the first fruit. That means there's a big harvest out here, and the big harvest is the resurrection of the dead. Listen, someday, if we're still alive, we're going to be caught up with Jesus when the trump sounds. But everybody who's been who had passed between already before that moment in time, they will be resurrected. They will be raised up. Power will hit their grave and they will come back with Jesus. Resurrection power. <clears throat> the King, Jesus, listen, talking about humility. King Jesus came. He taught and he demonstrated the kingdom of God. He demonstrated not only that it was coming, but he demonstrated the fact that it was here now. Right now, kingdom of God is at hand. This morning, the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand to us right at this moment. Jesus unveiled the kingdom, and he demonstrated the kingdom in his words, in his works, and in his walk. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom by how, did, how he walked. You say, Larry, how did he walk? He walked in humility. You want to know what humility looks like? Look at Jesus. <laughs> you don't have to look too, too much farther than, than Jesus. His very life was a demonstration of humility. The Lord's had me on a journey. I'm going to read a passage out of Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah's call to the Lord. Three o'clock this morning, the Lord woke me up. And from three o'clock to 3.15, he was speaking so loudly. I mean, my heart, I thought my heart was just, it was pushing against my ribs. You would have thought I was in a dead race. I was, I mean, my heart is pumping strong. And he was speaking so loudly. I, I was really listening to the commanding voice of God as what he said to Jeremiah. And so when I read this, I want to try to relate that to you this morning. Jeremiah is, record, is telling us his call. And it goes like this. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, <laughs> I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And I myself ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then Jeremiah said, then I said, Ah, oh, Lord God, ah, oh, Lord God. Behold, I, I can't speak. I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, don't you dare stand there and contradict what I just told you. 
Don't you dare, Jeremiah. When I told you I've done all this and I've called you, I've ordained you, I've anointed you, don't you dare stand there and rebuke me and tell me that you're only a youth. Don't. Jeremiah, remember your history. Remember Jeremiah. Moses, you do remember Moses, Jeremiah. Do you remember when I called him? I called him as a prophet. I called him as a deliverer. I called him forth to go into the, 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 the greatest nation on earth at that time that had the greatest military. I called, I called him to go and stand before a man by the name of Pharaoh who thought he was God. We had another thing coming. Moses, I said to Moses when I called him, Moses, I'm going to make you like God and you're going to go towards Pharaoh who thinks he's a God and you are going to stand before him and you are going to tell him to release my people because Moses, you are the deliverer, you're the prophet, you're the anointed one and you're going to take my people out of Egypt and we're going to ultimately see them in the promised land. So Moses goes before Pharaoh. Moses goes, but you remember Jeremiah when I sent Moses before Pharaoh? And Moses went there and that first time he stood there and said, God has sent me here and he said, let my people go. And Pharaoh just stood there and laughed. Who does this guy think he is? Doesn't he recognize, Pharaoh would say, that I am God on planet earth? Doesn't he recognize that? But Jeremiah, that man... Had another day coming. <laughs> and so my, my man Moses stood before him ten different times. He released signs. He released wonders. Until the hard head of that Pharaoh and the hard heart of that Pharaoh released my people. And, and Moses led my people as I had anointed him out of, the, <clears throat> out of Egypt all the way to the Red Sea. And then Pharaoh, who thinks he's got another idea, Pharaoh is standing there in Egypt and he's going to go back and he's going to raise up his army and he's going to chase my people that I've called Moses to lead out. He's going to chase them up to the Red Sea. He's going to capture them and he's going to bring them all back as slaves, worse than it was before. But you remember, Jeremiah, when my man that I called, stood in front of that Red Sea, and he raised his arms. You remember, Jeremiah, I split the sea. I divided it, and all of my people, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, walked across that, that land dry, no mud. And then Pharaoh. Pharaoh saw what was going on, and so Pharaoh had this great idea. Well, if they can do that... We can do that. I mean, I'm God. And so Pharaoh and his army get out and they get in the midst of that sea. Then I let the waters go. And their chariots got stuck in mud. And the waters closed up on all of them. Remember, Jeremiah, Pharaoh had one idea, but he had another thing coming. 
And I want you to hear me, Jeremiah, before you stand before me and rebuke me and tell me that you're only a youth when I've just told you what I've called you to do. Jeremiah, will you remember Gideon? Do you remember Gideon, Jeremiah, when, when, when I called him because my people had been crying out because the, they were prisoners and slaves of the of the Philistines and the Philistines kept coming in and stealing their grain and their food. Do you remember that, Jeremiah? And I would go to Gideon when he was in hiding and threshing out and I called him a valiant warrior. Do you remember that, Jeremiah? Do you remember how after some conversation, Gideon accepted that assignment? And Gideon, Gideon was, listen, Jeremiah, Gideon was such a valiant warrior, I reduced his troops down to 300 guys. And then with 300 men, I gave him a goofy plan. And the goofy plan was they, they would hold torches lit underneath jars. And at, a, at the sound of the trumpet, they would break their jars, the lights would come on, and they would shout out, do you remember that all those, the enemy, all those enemy forces turned on each other and killed each other? Do you remember that, Jeremiah? Do you remember that when I called Gideon, I called him a mighty warrior? Do you remember that I backed up my word and all of heaven backed that word up in him and he did exactly what I called him to do? And Jeremiah, I'll tell you one other thing. <laughs> Prophet Isaiah is giving a word. And the word that prophet Isaiah is giving is about a, uh, to, it's about a virgin. And this virgin is going to be with child and she's going to give a birth. And there's going to come a day, Jeremiah, that I will tell Gideon. And at my command, Gideon will go to that young virgin by the name of Mary. And he will release the word to her that she's found great favor. And she's going to give birth to the Messiah, to my son. And when that was so uncanny, she'd never heard of anything like that. It never happened in all of humanity. But that young girl will stand there and she will say, Be it unto me, according to your word. And then she will bear forth, she will bring forth my son, Jeremiah. Just like the prophet had said. And there are so many prophetic words about my son Jesus. And Jesus will arrive on the scene. And at 30 years old, I will anoint my son Jesus. And he will go and he will present the gospel. And he will speak with power and authority. Signs, wonders, miracles will take place through him. Because that is the calling of the Messiah. And after three years of ministry and training and raising up a group of men, there will be those who reject him, his own, his own relation, his own family. The Jewish people are going to reject him. The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're going to reject my son, Jeremiah. And they're going to send my, they're thinking they're doing it on their own accord, but they're going to send my son through the mockery of a trial. And my son will be beaten, but they don't know every time they put a stripe on his back, it will be healing for the nations. 
And they think they're doing Jesus in, but what has happening, it's the plan that's always been there because this son that's coming, he's been this, the, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And when they put him on that cross, he voluntarily will be on that cross. It will be his will holding them there, not the nails in his hands and his feet. And he will die there. But he will die there for the sin of many. He will give up his life for many. And there are going to be those who rejoice. And they're going to take his body down on a Friday afternoon. And they're going to put it in a grave. Never used before. They don't know he's only going to borrow it. But they're going to put him in there. And they're going to roll a stone in front of that grave. And there he will be. And there will be those who will say, good riddance. But listen to me, Jeremiah. <laughs> listen to me well, Jeremiah. In three days, in three days, my son will come out of that grave, conqueror, king of kings, lord of lords, victorious. And after 40 days of teaching, Jeremiah, I will raise my son up. I will sit him at my right hand. I will give him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that my son Jesus is Lord. Now, do you hear me, Jeremiah? When I tell you, Jeremiah, <laughs> I formed you in the womb. I knew you. I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet, so do not stand there and tell me you're a youth. Instead, stand up and say, yes, Lord, for I will go out to all to whom you send me and whatever you command me, that I will speak. I heard that this morning between 3 o'clock and 3.15. It wrecked me. I was still awake somewhere after four because my body is still listening to this thunderous voice. Sometimes we read the word and we just, we just casually read it. Guys, this is a strong word. He is rebuking Jeremiah. Jeremiah, don't you dare stand there and say that what I've said is wrong and that, that, that you are not up to that level. I make you that level, Jeremiah. I do that. So let me tell you, out of that text, let me define for you two things. One is false humility. What Jeremiah is giving us there, ah, oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I'm but a youth. That's false humility. False humility is when we deny the truth concerning who we are and who God says we are. That's false humility. Totally false humility. When God says one thing about us and we say something else, false humility. And there's just enough of that. <laughs> there's enough of it, guys. Let me tell you what true humility is. True humility is when we align our confession and our life demonstration with what is written of us and what the Holy Spirit is saying of us. That's humility. Humility. Because we recognize we are not self-made. <laughs> we're God-made. We're called. We're anointed. He makes it work. We just simply show up and step out. What does it mean to show up and step out in faith with Jesus? It's standing on the high dive. I remember years ago, Francie and I, 
were on a mission, at a missions conference and we were in a uh, Rock Island, Illinois, and, and it was on the campus of a really big college and they had an Olympic size training pool. So I'm in there in the pool and I'm looking at situation over and I'm looking at the three different levels of, of diving boards and I'm thinking, that one's not all that high. And so I'm, I, I think, I think I can, Nate, I think I can go up to that top level and cannonball off. <laughs> Dumber than bottle rocks, man, that just, golly. So I climb and I climb and I climb and I climb and I climb. I get all the way to the top. I walk out on that diving board and I am shaken because the pool looks like it's about that big. <laughs> I'm up on the end of that thing and I've seen kids do this. I am scared spitless. I'm looking down and it was all I could do to slowly back off and get down all the way down that ladder shaking all the way. Let me tell you what faith is. Faith is you're on the high dive. You look down in the pool and it's empty except Jesus is standing there. And Jesus says, jump. It'll be full of water before you hit. And you jump. God's telling Jeremiah, jump. Jump, Jeremiah. True humility is when we align our confession and life demonstration with what is written of us and what the Holy Spirit is saying of us. John chapter 1, verse 22 and 23 is the testimony of John the Baptist. There are those who come to John the Baptist and they're wanting to know, man, who's given you the authority for what you're doing? Uh, who, who in the world are you? What do you say about yourself? Now, later on, Jesus would say of John the Baptist, there's been no one born of, woman who is, born of a woman who is greater than John the Baptist. But listen to the humility in the man. When they ask John the Baptist who he is, his response is, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. What is that? He lined his life up with what was written about him and what the Holy Spirit was saying to him. And that's what he had to say about who he is. He didn't stand there and say, well, shoot, man, I'm the greatest. I am the greatest. I'm the greatest man that was ever born of a woman. No, he just said what God said about himself. And listen to Jesus, John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Jesus, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the fathers do, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever the Father does, the Son does in like manner. Guys, we cannot, you cannot, listen, you cannot separate humility before God and obedience to God in our daily walk with Him. It's absolutely inseparable. The word, one of the great words, listen, you want to, I'll put those two together. God did. Case in point, Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. In chapter 2, Paul is telling us, to, he's wanting to, us to have an attitude check and making sure our attitude is an attitude of humility. 
And so he's going to give the greatest illustration of that that he knows. And it's about the different ways that Jesus humbled himself. And in chapter 2, verse 8, he says this, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even a cross kind of death. The Romans were really good at killing people. They came up with some great ways to kill people. And the cross was one of those ways. And when Paul is saying this about Jesus humbling himself, and they come humbled and obedient. Same sentence. <laughs> he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even a cross kind of death. A horrible way for anybody to die. We should have been there, but he's in our place. We're the ones that owed the debt, but he, owed, but he paid the debt we could not pay. Jesus. Humility. Obedience. One other verse I want to share with you. Out of 1 Peter chapter 5. Paul, Peter, writing, wrote two letters. This is the first one. And he writes to the church. He's writing to us and he says, Likewise, you younger people, submit to yourselves, to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to each other. That means the old to the young, the young to the old. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility because God <laughs> resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Listen, between humility and grace, there's obedience. It's always that way. Humility Grace, obedience, humility, jump. <laughs> obedience, jump. <laughs> Grace, there's water in the pool by the time you get there. Guys, listen. Humility, obedience, and grace. Humility, obedience, and grace. I want to read to you a testimony. To me, this testimony is what we're talking about this morning. This is a testimony from our newest family group, the latest family group, the new upspringing family group. Listen to their testimony. When a new family moved into our neighborhood, we made the effort to meet them. Sound like they were stopping for the one to me. We made the effort to meet them. We could tell by the first connection that our hearts and our spirits were kindred. When we decided we'd be obedient to what we felt the Lord was asking us to do, that is to start a family group, we began to pray and ask him who he wanted at the table. I love that. <laughs> oh, Lord, who do you want at the table? We had sensed that it would include our new neighbors as well as others with whom we were currently having fellowship. There's been such a joining of our hearts with each other and everyone that gathers at the table in our home. We all had a hunger for fellowship and to grow together in the Lord. Our new neighbors lost their son this past November. 
as Jack and I kept reaching out and extending our love to them and for them during their loss, the connection, the connection seemed to only strengthen. And when they came to our family group, they sat around the table listening to each other's testimonies and their general response to the wonders God had done in their lives. We sat there and we rejoiced with those who rejoiced and we cried with the others. By the time it came to our neighbors, we told them they didn't have to share anything if they didn't feel comfortable with sharing. But as Sarah began to share her heart and her deep hurt, the compassion of the Lord reached out through all of us and embraced them. We loved on them, spoke life unto them, and encouraged them. Today, we still continue to extend His love and encouragement to this family. And that's what family does when we gather at the table. <laughs> Yay, God. Yay, God. That's you. Guys, listen, that is, that is humility and grace connecting with a couple who just stepped out in obedience. Sometime in the very new future, in the very new future, I'll get it out. Sometime, maybe in May, maybe a little bit later, depending on schedule. We're going, to have a, we're going to have a gathering, and food is going to be provided, and it'll be on a Sunday morning after church, and those who sign up to come to that meeting will be fed. And while you're being fed, there are going to be those who are just communicating what it's like to have a family group in their house, what, what that has done for them. <clears throat> and it, it will be a time, an informational time, for you just to, to find out what it would be like if you were to open up your home just to be a host home and then leadership was provided to work with you and lead a family group. That's what's coming up. You see, that's, that's the Holy Spirit's movement. That's what the Holy Spirit is awakening. So there'll be more about that when we figure out exactly what day that's going to take place. I just want to share with you again, guys, Between humility and grace, there's a step of obedience. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, Moses' assistant, Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore you arise and you go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them and to the people of Israel. Joshua, Moses is dead. Time for you to stand up and go. Dayspring, I want you to stand up right now. I just want you to stand up, and I want to, I want to, I want to read a declaration. I want to read a commissioning to us this morning. Dayspring, 
Jesus, Father God's Son, was dead, but is now alive. And like Joshua of old, it's time now for dayspring for us to arise and go. So I say today, arise, dayspring, and go into our calling and purpose. Dayspring is a tree with a God-given DNA. Dayspring was planted, a wellspring of salvation, healing, and revival in the north of Springfield. Many of us were not here when founding pastor Stephen Sally Wilson received a call from God to plant a specific tree in a specific location. But we've been grafted into that tree, and the DNA of that living tree has not changed. Its fruit is salvation, healing, and revival. Dayspring family, Jesus, who died for us, is now alive. And he is the king of a kingdom. He is the king of the kingdom of God. And he has sent forth his spirit to us, releasing healings, prophecies, deliverances, signs, wonders, miracles, all essential expressions of the gospel of the kingdom. Holy Spirit is here right now to enable and empower us to love our city well and see revival awakening, and an unprecedented harvest reach our city, our region, our nation, and the nations of our planet. Day spring. Let us arise and let us go and bear the fruit of this church plant. In Jesus' name, amen. You don't go to an apple tree and try to pull an orange off of it. An apple tree naturally produces apples. This church plant, I've read to you what this church plant is. That is this tree that we're grafted in to. And the fruit is the same. And the fruit is only going to know increase. It will only know increase. If you're part of the ministry team, I asked you to come on forward. When I started this morning, I, I just gave testimony. Testimonies are repeatable. I gave testimony of a young couple whose lives have been wrecked. They didn't know what it was like to be loved. They had no idea what love even looked like. The only way they knew to cope as a couple was drugs. But Jesus, Jesus in his mercy found them. And they gave their lives over to Jesus and, and, to, and to look at the expressions on their face, what it was like to be, to be known by Jesus was amazing. Are you here this morning? And you don't know Jesus? Listen, several years ago I did, a, I did a message and I had a, it was a setup. In the midst of the message, I'd, I'd already talked to a young fellow. And at a certain point in time, he was going to stand up in the congregation. And he was going to shout out looking at me. And he was going to say this, and he did it. He said, preacher, go to hell. 
kind of put a shockwave through the congregation. <laughs> and I stood there in that place. I actually got down from the pulpit. I went over and I sat by him with my mic. And I shared with him why I couldn't go to hell. Because I'd met Jesus. And I'd been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I only had one destination when I died, and that was to go to be with him in heaven. And then I asked him, I said, do you know Jesus? Would you like to know, Je would you like to know that same assurance? Guys, there's only two places. Death is reality, and there's only two places to go. It's heaven or hell, and I'm, that's just the truth. I'd be lying to you or if I didn't say that. Heaven is real, but so is hell. And hell's been prepared for the devil and the demons. And you may say to me, Larry, a good God would not send anybody to hell. A good God made a way for you to not go there. Jesus, He loves you. He sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross that if you would believe on Him, you would have everlasting life. The invitation is open to you. If I could, I'd go down. I'd find you and I'd drag you down here. Jesus is the greatest discovery you'll ever make in your life. He is so real, so loving, so awesome. The invitation is there. Jesus hung publicly on a cross for you. And so the invitation is for you to come publicly to Him. And come to one of these couples and say, I don't know all that Larry's talking about this morning, but I want to know this Jesus who saved that couple, who saved Him, who saved so many that are sitting in this place today. Guys, the invitation is open. Would you come? Would you come to Jesus? Holy Spirit, I know right now you are saying come. And we as the bride say come. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I won't belabor it. But with everything in me, I just encourage you today. If you don't know what a great day on Resurrection Day, what a time to remember I remember the day on Resurrection Sunday at Dayspring Church. I remember the day I came and I gave my life to Jesus and my life has never been the same. The second thing I, I want to say is that declaration I made over us. We are a tree. We're grafted into a tree that was planted with a specific purpose. And that is to be a revival and awakening and harvest center. The fruit of that tree is revival, awakening, signs, wonders, miracles, and harvest. Guys, let's as a body not stand there like Jeremiah and listen to the Lord say to us, what do you mean standing and saying that what I'm speaking to you, Jeremiah, is not the truth? But humility, we come with humility. And Lord, we come to you with humility. We come with humility to you, Father. 
with humility to you, Jesus. With humility to you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you that years ago, you called a couple to come to a city they didn't want to come to and to go to a place they really weren't interested in going. But they obeyed you. They humbly obeyed you and you graced them to plant this tree that bears fruit here and abroad. We thank you for that. Holy Spirit, we want to show up and we want to say yes to your assignment. We say yes to be grafted in to this tree in the name of Jesus. Phil, love you. Just going to, Phil is our senior pastor. If you're joining us online or you're new here this morning and you don't know this young man, Phil is our senior pastor. And so my friend, brother, I'm going to hand you the mic. So we just, <clears throat> wow, thank you, Larry, for that word. Uh, thank you for the humility that you brought it in as well. And so we just want to open the altars uh, this morning if you need if you've not met Jesus and you would know it because your life would be different, it would be transformed. It wouldn't be the same. So that's when you know you've met him, is there's been transformation. You're not the same. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We want to open the altars. If you haven't had that encounter with Jesus, if you haven't called on his name and experienced the power of his salvation, we just invite you right now just to come down. Come down to one of these teams and we want a prayer view this morning. If you need healing in your body, we believe that Jesus heals, that he heals because he loves us. And we've seen those healings happen, and we want to stand together as a community to see the healing that you need in your bodies as well. If you uh, have been struggling uh, in the area, specifically I, uh, of night terrors or, or nightmares that have just been unrelenting, I just feel like the Lord just uh, wants to see you uh, have a restful sleep that anything that would just be plaguing the nighttime, uh, especially in the area of uh, just uh, demonic dreams or just even encounters with the demonic, that can happen with Christians as well. We can encounter the demonic. They're real, you know. As we, as we walk representing Christ Jesus, uh, we're, we're in a battle. And we're in a battle. It's important that we stand together as a community around each other. So if, if you have just been, just feel like you have just been struggling in that area of just... Uh, uh, especially at nighttime. We just want to see that broken off of your life and, and that, that your night be given to the Lord for Him and for His purposes. And so if that's you, I just encourage you to come up. But come on up. The altars are open right now. Uh, we love you. They're going to stay open here. Uh, we just encourage you guys just to engage with each other in the way you did uh, earlier as we had that opportunity for for greeting time. But would you just encourage each other in the Lord as you go? If your parents, uh, don't forget to pick your kids up. Um, make sure you just thank the staff there uh, and the team. They put together a, a great time in a, a beautiful Easter egg hunt. Just a shout out to John Nave and his team for the breakfast this morning if you missed it. Certainly something we're, we're looking at doing on a more regular basis again. So uh, if, if there was no bacon like there was when I got there, 
and, uh, and you need prayer for that as well, then, then, then we're here. So be blessed. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Uh, just go out and just if you have an opportunity to go into restaurants, just share the love of Jesus with whoever you encounter. Amen. We love you. God bless you.